0: Yesterday I had the honor and privilege of baptizing a baby, and her name is Leah, and during this year of St. Joseph, she took the patron of Josephine, and as I was down there, one thing I love to do when I baptize a baby is I just globber my hands in chrism oil, and I just rub it all over the little baby's head and then the parents get to smell the beautiful smelling of the car seat because in the oil there's balsam in there. And it smells absolutely amazing. And I love it so much, I love the smell of the oil so much that I actually have chrism scented beard balm. And on really, really cold days when it starts getting dry out if you have a beard, you must, you must have beard oil and beard balm. And today, I experienced something I've never experienced before as I was heading out to Mass at Red Granite. As I was heading out there and when I pulled in the parking lot, I got out and I took two steps. And for the first time ever, I felt my beard began to freeze. And then the gentleman who was shoveling the snow out there, he just said, Father, you look different. And I said, yes, I know I look different because I don't have a mullet anymore. And he said, do you, do you miss it? Do you miss your mullet, Father? And it took me about an eighth of a second to say, absolutely not. After having a mullet, I have so much more respect for women because of what you do to take care of your hair. When I took the bet to get a mullet was if we had at least 50 students do the Marian consecration. I said, I would perm my hair. And that literally took like an hour and a half. And it was probably one of the long, longest experiences in my life, and I just kept looking around at the women that were at the beauty salon that I was at, and I was like, you all put this much time into your hair that often. I was just awestruck. That has nothing to do with anything I'm going to preach about today, other than just say, it's cold outside, my beard froze for the first time, and also I'm happy that you're here because it's cold outside. Today I want to preach about um, a gentleman who's not Catholic, but I think he has a very beautiful life story, and his name is Eric Little, and he's part of a movie that was very famous in 1981 called Chariots of Fire, and that movie personally changed my life. But as I began to study the life of Eric Little, I realized there's a lot about his life I didn't know. It's said about Eric Little is that if you walk with great people or if you walk with holy people, you'll become like them. If you walk with holy people or great people, you'll become with them. And in 1902, Little Eric was... Eric Little, when he was little, uh, was born in China because his parents were missionaries, right, in 1902 during the Boxer Rebellion. And he is one of three children who was there. He had a sister named Jenny, and he had an older brother named Robert. And his parents spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as a young child, he would even be welled up with tears by hearing his favorite gospel story, which was the story of the, of the shepherd leaving the 99 sheep and going out for the one. At the age of five, his family moved back to Scotland for a short period of time. And when he was seven and his brother Rob was now nine, his mother sent him to school in London, him and his brother. And his parents actually left them to go continue their missionary work. She would write them a letter to Rob and to Eric every week, and she would not see them for four and a half more years. The awesome thing about Eric and Rob is they were sweet dudes. They had a really good athletic ability. They were athletes, and they went to school where it was a religious school. They'd study scripture, and they had a lot of fun. And Eric won a race that they would do every single year to show that they had fun. It was called the Annual Suitcase Race where they would take suitcases in each hand and then somebody had to sprint and whoever finished first would win. And in school, actually his favorite class was chemistry. He loved science. And wherever he was, he was calm, he was quiet, but he also brought a spark of new energy. But in 1915, something happened that changed the world. We had our first world war, and he began to see the older classmates of his go off to war, and they had to, for the first time, eat with rationed food. They were only offered one ounce of butter a week for the whole school. During that time, Eric would graduate, and he would go to college as a freshman, where he studied and majored in pure science. His brother Rob was at the same school and he studied to be a doctor. And one day a friend of him asked him to be in a race at the university's annual sports day. And Eric raced against the best sprinter of the school and he beat him in the 100-yard dash and he took a close second in the 200-yard dash. And very closely after that, the Olympics were approaching, and people began to hear about Eric and his great athletic ability. The 1924 Olympics were in Paris, and Eric's life before that, just right before that was changed by a gentleman who was a missionary preacher named D.P. Thompson. Eric was invited, actually, to speak with Mr. Thompson by his brother, Rob. Eric, by nature, was extremely shy, And one of his greatest fears was speaking in public, and he was actually asked to speak in front of young men who had little, if any, interest in Christianity. And Eric spoke, and he drew a big crowd. And he would later say, I think that was the most brave thing I have ever done, to accept the invitation to preach about my relationship with Jesus Christ and in 1924, he would be accepted to the British Olympic team. But a few months before that, he went to the British Olympic Committee, and he actually went to forego the heats for the 100 and 200 dash. I don't know if you just heard what I said. He went to forego the 100 and the 200 Heats, which is where you actually would be placed to actually even compete to receive a gold medal. Because he believed deep within his heart, and he knew that on Sundays, that's when the race would take place, he said, I will not compete on Sundays because Sundays are, first of all, first of all for the Lord, and they're for rest. And this included not being in other races too, so he actually gave up the possibility of getting gold medals. And he trained specifically during that time for the 200 and the Open 400, and he won a gold medal in the Open 4. And in the movie Chariots of Fire, they get this part wrong. They make him look like he's kind of a doofus. I don't know why they do that, but they acted like he didn't know how to train. He didn't know much about running, but he was an excellent runner. He was very disciplined. But one thing he said as he's running is he says, I believe God put me here for a purpose, and he also made me really fast. And he said, when I run, I can feel him taking pleasure in me. I was going to say that again let that sink in. He said, I believe God put me here for a purpose, and he also made me really fast. And when I run, I can feel him taking pleasure in me That personal quote from that movie changed my life when I watched it, because how often do you and I not allow God to take pleasure in using the talents He gave us? How often do you and I not allow God to take pleasure in us using the talents He gave us? My friends, if we don't allow God to take pleasure in us by using the talents He gave us for His glory— then we are always trying to prove something to someone. Whether it's your coach or your parents or your teacher or, God forbid, your priest, you're always trying to prove something and you never enjoy what you're doing. In the movie Chariots of Fire, Eric Liddell is compared to another runner named uh, Harold Abrams. And... He's also extremely athletic, but he's always trying to prove himself. He also runs completely angry, and he doesn't know actually how to have fun anymore. And Eric learned a lot of these characteristics of how allowing God to take pleasure in him from his dad, who taught him how to give glory to God and letting God smile upon him Not just in racing, in the big things, but also in the little things. Eric's dad's name is James. And James said, you can glorify God by peeling something as simple as a potato if you learn how to peel it with perfection. So many of us sitting here and so many of us that should be here or ought to be here have never tasted the power of St. Paul's words today in our second reading to Corinthians. In writing to the people of Corinth, Paul says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Now let's just get practical, and I like talking about things that get your attention When's the last time you gave God glory by blowing your nose? When's the last time you gave God glory by cleaning? When's the last time you gave God glory by going to class and doing a kind gesture by opening the door for someone other than yourself? When's the last time you gave God glory by driving in your car with your friends? When's the last time you gave God glory by spending time with your family? Or by doing those little things like doing the dishes, or doing the laundry, or dusting. You know, as we, as we head into Lent, my friends, I believe St. Paul is showing us a new way to prepare for Lent. Often Lent, if we're honest, it's not really about bringing God any glory, or bringing others to Jesus Christ. It's typically about the trinity of me, myself, and I. I'm giving up social media so I can be happy. I'm giving up sweets so I can lose weight. I'm giving up alcohol for myself, for me, myself, and I. A really good friend of mine and a mentor of mine named Father Dan Schuster told me eight years ago that he was gonna give up alcohol. I never asked him who he was doing it for, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't doing it necessarily only for himself. He has given up alcohol, I'm pretty sure, for others who struggle with alcohol. And every time he's tempted to grab a beer or grab alcohol, I'm pretty sure he says a prayer for those who have suffered abuse from those who drink alcohol. You know, it sounds a lot like the end of our reading from St. Paul today. St. Paul says, at the end of the reading to Corinth and I think us for us we have to really dial in right now. He says, "I'm not seeking my own benefit, but that of many, that they may be saved." To be saved means be kept safe from all the darkness of the world, and he says, "Be imitators of me as I am of Christ." And the question is, how do we live that? How do we apply that? How do we die to self? How do we live John 3:30? He must increase, I must decrease. Well, I'm a weirdo. And one of the things that I often do is talk out loud and ideas just kind of come out of my mouth. As I was sitting with the students on Friday night, I was talking about, you know, Secret Santa and how we do gift exchanges. Maybe you've done Secret Santa and you don't know who your gift is from, but they know that they took time to think about you before they gave it to you. What if for Lent, if we did more of a secret saint sacrifice for Lent for others? So here's what I mean. You know, the focus missionaries and I and Sarah talked about this before I preached. And what we're going to do is we're going to put our names on a sticky note and then prayerfully think of a few graces that we need, things we need help with. And then we're going to fold that up and put that into a hat. And then on Wednesday at noons, you're always invited to join us, but we are re- we're reading the book, The Way of the Disciple. Before we begin, we're going to pass that hat around and pick a name. And then we're going to pray for that person. We're going to fast for that person. And we're going to offer up penances for that other person. Secretly, without bringing any glory to ourselves, but bringing glory to God. And then the goal is, on Easter Sunday, or Easter Vigil on Saturday, that you reveal to that person that you prayed for them. But not to say all the sacrifices you did, that's also just between you and God. And that's one thing my dad always taught me. He always said, never, never ask anyone to do anything you yourself are not willing to do. Never, never ask anyone to do anything you yourself are not willing to do. So the focus missionaries and myself and Sarah are going to lead by example, and we invite you all to do the same, to invite somebody or a group of people, maybe some family or friends or people in your Bible study to do that. And my friends, I just guarantee you, if we live sacrificial lives for others like Jesus, like Eric Little, like St. Paul, our campus will change for the better. But we need to start thinking long-term instead of short-term. Often we just get so focused on college and the gold medals, but Eric Liddell knew that he was called to be a missionary. And he sacrificed a gold medal because he wanted to be known more than for the accolades of the world. He wanted to be known as a follower and a deep lover of Jesus Christ. In 10 years, specifically to the college students, what do you think God desires for you? His plans are extremely bigger than you all can imagine, and they're better. His plans are a, have a future full of hope for you, and in your life, you and I will all have an arrow pointing in one direction or the other when you die. And you are all going to have an obituary written about you. And that arrow is either going to point to yourself and say, what you did, and you did, and you did. But what if you flip the arrow and it points to what God did for you and how you introduce others to God and you live completely for God? And what we're called to do is to take this into play so we can live lives of faith and not of fear, of hope instead of despair, and to start taking chances. Because I can, only guarantee, I, can, I can just guarantee you that if you start seeking things not for your own benefit, but for that of the many, so that they may be saved, others are going to imitate you because you imitate Christ. And if you think that no one looks up to you, you're dead wrong. There's always at least one person When you walk into a room, you are their hero. You are. And if you don't think that, you're wrong. Your example always makes a difference. And we need to take a moment of silence to forgive ourselves, to repent for all the times we've only pointed to ourselves and not to Jesus. Just to tell him, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry that I started doing all these penances just for myself we also need to ask the Holy Spirit to fall upon us so that we can begin to always, every day, point to Jesus and do sacrifices for others so that they may be saved. And whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. And take the weight off your shoulders and stop putting so much pressure on yourself and just take time to receive his loving gaze. When you're in class, receive his loving gaze. When you're doing your sports, receive his loving gaze. When you are reading books, when you're doing the dishes, doing the little things, receive. Because you are the apple of his eye. He is so in love with you. And he wants you to pour that love from him, from your heart, into the hearts of others. And we can do that by living secret lives. Living hidden lives. And knowing that his plans are greater and full of more hope. Amen.